0: evangelicals politics division boy this is a thorny knotty issue we're going to try to sort it out today Thanks, friends, for joining us on The Line of Fire. This is Michael Brown, by God's grace, functioning as your voice of moral sanity and spiritual clarity in the midst of a society and chaos and a church all too often in compromise. 866-348-7884. 866-34-TRUTH is the number to call. We are going to wade into some controversial political situations today but as always, seeking to be redemptive. Come on, this is the world we live in. And this is a world in which Christians right now in America have greatly differing opinions on where we're going and what's happening in the White House and what's happening in Congress and what's happening in the courts and what's happening in the society all around us. So to not talk about it is to stick our head in the sand. To not talk about it is to make believe that the world around us is not the world in which we live. But we're going to do things in a way that's going, to, that's going to be honest, that's going to be forthright, but that's going to be respectful of differing views. In particular, as I'm speaking, as I'm unpacking things, as I'm talking today, if you differ with me, I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from everyone. But in particular, if you think I'm wrong, if you differ with my perspective, if you think I'm missing something, especially as a fellow follower of Jesus— Give me a call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. Phone lines ringing already doesn't mean you differ with me and I haven't even given my position yet. Either way, phone lines are open. All right, so I wrote an article, uh, came out yesterday, entitled, A Response to the Global Center for Religious Researchers' Call for Evangelicals to repudiate Trump. This was a, an open letter signed by 58 leaders, mainly Christian. There was a rabbi among them, but otherwise Christian leaders, professing Christian leaders, philosophers, academics, pastors, and they were calling on evangelicals to utterly repudiate other evangelicals who had, quote, entangled themselves with President Trump politically. And there are points that the letter makes that I agree with, that I affirm. There are other points that I categorically differ with. And in particular, I have a real issue with the question of hypocrisy. So I, I want to read through the letter. This is the world we live in. Again, this is what, what we're going through in church. These are the divisions that we face, these are the, the different points of view that, that we have to address. So let's do it together. That's what we want to do here on the Line of Fire broadcast. So, uh, again, January 18th is when they published this open letter. Someone sent it to me. I didn't see it when it first came out. I had never heard of the Global Center for Religious Research before, but most of what's happening in terms of organizations, religious organizations, I don't know most of them. There's a ton of stuff out there. So it's not to say it's not an important organization, simply to say I'd never heard of it. And they posted on January 18th an open letter to evangelicals of moral conscience. So I'm going to read this to you, okay? Help us end the cult-like determination to ignore, excuse, and justify Mr. Trump's blatant and obvious moral depravity. That's the, the subheading, all right? So they speak of his blatant and obvious moral depravity. <clears throat> and they say this. Dear American evangelical friends, it is with great sadness that we, the undersigned faith leaders, biblical scholars, philosophers, and other academics, many of whom began our walks of faith in the evangelical tradition, hereby call on American, on all ev- American evangelical Christians of moral conscience who recognize and regret the corrupting and corrosive influence of Donald J. Trump to join us in repudiating those evangelical leaders and institutions that have politically entangled themselves with him. We believe this action to be an urgent moral imperative Because these leaders and institutions, which have unfortunately become the dominant voice of modern American evangelicalism, have shown themselves to be obstinately bound to the control of influences overtly opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and have resisted repeated pleas to disentangle themselves. Now, I want to be totally candid with you, friends. I'm all for being direct, but there's an old saying that you don't insult the jury when you go to appeal to the jury, and it seems to me right out of the gate that there's some problems the way this starts. First, they mention many of them began their walks of faith in the evangelical tradition. So here's what I don't understand. Maybe they're former evangelicals that became Greek Orthodox, or that became Roman Catholic, or joined some other Christian expression, or simply left Christian faith entirely why do they have a special authority or moral right to speak to those of us who are evangelicals? I I don't follow that. In other words, if you're no longer part of our tradition, then why are you addressing our tradition as if you have a certain right to? It'd be like if I was a former Roman Catholic, left the Catholic Church, and and then write as a Protestant, hey, to to my Catholic friends, look, I used to be Catholic, I'm making an appeal to you. That that raised a question for me, but you'll see the question deepens as we go on. But... As I read through this, notice the strong words, the corrupting and corrosive influence of Donald J. Trump, and then notice that evangelicals that are standing with him, they have obstinately bound themselves to the control of influences overtly opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ and have resisted, repeated pleas to disentangle themselves. In other words, there is no other point of view. There is no other Christian perspective. There is no other right and wrong here. No, those that are standing with the president and feeling that he is the best choice for for our nation right now compared to the other candidates or compared to Hillary Clinton, they are against the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they are obstinately refusing, please, to disentangle themselves. And you say, well, but aren't they really talking about those that have completely joined themselves to the president and justify all his behavior? Partly yes, partly no. You'll see as we go on. We make this call, not seeking to destroy the evangelical tradition. It's nice for you to say that. But rather to prune from its structure those corrupting influences that have caused the tradition to become more infatuated with political power than following the explicit and unequivocal moral expectations that come with following Jesus Christ. Our hope is that an evangelicalism of strong moral conscience might regrow in its place and return to its first love. To accept this call is not to abandon theological doctrines, religious practices, or expressions of your Christian faith. Instead, it is to affirm that you are a follower of Christ, not political, not political ideologies before and above all else. Of course, I affirm that, that we are followers of Jesus above and beyond any political ideology, followers of Jesus above and beyond any party. The loyalty that you may have to an elected official completely pales. It disappears in light of our loyalty to the Lord. All right, to the extent you identify as a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, that completely pales to how you identify as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus. I agree with that. Here are my my two problems. One, what about all the liberals and progressives and even some of the signers of of this letter or those quoted in the letter or quoted in some of the, the addendums that they added on who've worked heavily with the Democrats for years? (laughs) Why is it okay for liberal, progressive Christians, so-called, to work with Democrats? That's all right. That's not getting politically entangled. But when evangelicals work with Republicans, that's getting politically entangled. Do I believe that in certain ways we get too politically entangled and wet ourselves too much to a political party? Yes. I've said that many a time. At the same time, this strikes me as quite hypocritical. Let me dig a little deeper. Why is it that many of us voted for Donald Trump? It was because of the issues we felt were important that he would stand for. That had to do with our faith. They continue, Christianity Today's editor, Mark Galley, recently argued that Trump should be removed from office because of his grossly immoral character. So notice, present tense, his grossly immoral character. So I'm just asking, in terms of, say, sexual immorality, what has Donald Trump done that is sexually immoral, Immoral, to our knowledge, since he ran, decided to run for president, since he was elected, since he's been in the White House? Just, just wondering if someone could point that out. And interestingly, they quote Mark Galley's editorial uh, and quote his name 11 times in this letter. And Mark Galley's editorial, even though I appreciated him raising certain points, was rightly rejected by many, many evangelical leaders. Mr. Galley worries that if evangelicals continue to support President Trump, they will lose all moral credibility. Although Galley admits that President Trump has accomplished certain things that evangelicals like, he maintains that in none of the President's positive excuse me, he maintains that none of the President's positives can balance the moral and political danger that he has created in the name of God. This concern was then reinforced by Christianity Today's president and CEO Timothy Dalrymple, and I, I took exception with both Mr. Dalrymple's article and Mr. Gallie's respecting their Christian views, but taking exception. So again, here's the big question, and it's the question that we have to weigh: Has the good the president's done outweighed the bad? That's the question we have to ask. And can we say we vote for him with the good, but we don't like the bad? How does that hurt our moral credibility? Again, if we say That fighting for the life of the unborn is major, that being the first president to speak at the March for Life is major, that standing with Israel in such a pronounced way and moving the embassy to Jerusalem and the new peace proposal and the way that stands with Israel, that's major, that standing for our religious rights and freedoms is major, that fighting against world terrorism is major, that fighting against radical LGBTQ activism is major, that even economic policies that have been put forth are going to help poor and needy people, that that's major. So we don't like his personality in many ways and the way he operates and the way he speaks of others and things like that and find it to be dishonest at times. However, overall, because we have choices in, in terms of who we vote for, this is why we vote. How does that compromise our moral credibility? If I look the other way, if I justify sinful behavior, If I downplay character, that's one thing. But if I say, you know, I see strong character here in keeping his word and standing for these very righteous and important principles, and I see weak character here, and evangelicals who are close to him, they're not applauding the weak character, they're speaking into his life to help him and strengthen him, and they continue to do that while thanking him for all the good that he does. Somehow, though, for the signers of this letter, no, it's black and white. If you stand with Trump, you vote for Trump, you've compromised christianity i respectfully beg to differ oh we're just getting started it's going to get juicy in a minute stay right here
1: The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866 34 Truth. Here again
0: is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, welcome to the Line of Fire, 866 348 7884. Are you coming into conflict with your own family about President Trump, whether you're for or against? Is this something that came up over the holidays? Do you get into arguments with other believers in the workplace? Do you find when you're fellowshipping with other Christians that this becomes divisive? Hey, I want to throw out a possibility to you. What if this is the calm before the storm? What? What if everything that's been going on, the endless Russia collusion trial, now the impeachment trial, and then what's going to be a brutally intense election season, barring something unforeseen? Uh, Let's say President Trump is elected. In twenty twenty to, to continue. Later this year he's elected to continue. What's gonna happen in the next four years? Could this be the calm before the storm? How are we as believers going to navigate the storm? Well, oh, Mike Brown, why do you have to talk about politics? Well, first, plenty of days, I don't mention it at all. A lot of people want me to talk about politics and culture more. We we cover what we feel we're supposed to cover and, and do our best to serve you and help you. But we live in this world to repeat, and these issues come up all around us. And uh, Kai, I want you to put this graphic up for those who are watching. Uh, there was a cartoon on this uh, same website, so this uh, same GCRR, Global Center, for, Global Center for Religious Research, another one of the signers there, wrote an article referencing this open letter to evangelicals of moral conscience. And there is a cartoon from political cartoonist David Fitzsimmons, and there is a slick-looking evangelical leader. Uh, He's got a bolo tie, so he's obviously, you know, cowboy, southern, western, you know, that kind of thing. And then there's Trump, and he literally has horns. Uh, He's he's orange, his whole body, and he's in flames. He has 666 on his left shoulder, and the caption... Evangelical speaking, as long as he's pro-life, we can overlook some minor character issues. This is the level of mockery coming to those who say, we don't like the character issues and the shortcomings there. and We do believe that does damage and can be harmful to many and even degrades the office of the presidency. But given our choices, given our circumstances, we feel a vote for him is the pragmatic and right way to go as... Followers of Jesus, no, this This open letter will have none of it. They can mock us like that. That's okay. That's being Christian, to mock us like that and to make Donald Trump out to be the Antichrist and those that stand with him to be in league with Satan himself. They can do that. That's okay. That's Christian. But they're concerned about our witness. That's what strikes me as hypocritical As as we read on in the open letter. As we do that, you'll see that some of the people that they quote— Christian leaders rebuking us for standing with Trump are people who, for example, advocate strongly same-sex so-called marriage and and gay activism and, and reinterpreting the Bible on these passages, and yet they're rebuking our morality and our fidelity to the Scriptures and our Christian conviction. That concerns me. That, to me, is blatantly hypocritical and failing to take the beam out of one's own eye before asking someone else to take out the speck of dust. 866 truth Before I go back to the letter, let's go to New York City. Michael, welcome to the Line of Fire. How are you? Doing well, thank you.
2: Yeah, so I was just, uh, you know, it was, it's interesting just as a Christian trying to follow Donald Trump um, because he's so unrepentant. You know, like he says, he doesn't need, he's never had the the need to ask God for forgiveness, and I just feel that to be an issue, and I feel like we're just at such a shortage of good people to vote for. Obviously, as a as a Christian believer, uh, you know I can't get behind any of the Democrats just because
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know they they say what you know what good is bad and what bad is good, you know, and and but with Trump, it's like he's right on on the social issues. But like you said, like the personality thing is just, it's just, it's just so bothersome. And I, I was listening to your talk before and you mentioned, uh, you know, what has he done that was sexually immoral since being in office? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't know, may, maybe nothing, but the fact that he still is not willing to come clean to the American people about the sexual morality that he engaged in, before office and it's relevant because it came up because you know the southern district of new york has that in their files even when michael cohen uh is away now like that you know donald trump was implicated in that whole scheme and you know in the you know the trying to you know pay it away and he got well he hasn't gotten in trouble for it but you know michael cohen has gotten in trouble for like the the tax violations and so you know it's just he hasn't been honest with us, I believe, and I find that you know kind of hard to stomach.
0: Yeah, well, Michael, I, I appreciate I appreciate the concerns that you have for sure, and don't want to don't want to minimize them. But Let me just throw out a few things from another point of view. Okay, when did he make the statement about not needing to ask for forgiveness?
2: Uh, it was during the 2016 campaign,
0: right? So, so it was four years ago. Uh, when right. the when the horrific tape came out, that was ten years earlier, where he made those those very degrading comments about women, he issued an mm-hmm. apology after that, and then Melania Trump issued a statement, you know, offended by it, but saying that's not the man that she's married to, uh, and then he has prayed with evangelicals. I I know several people firsthand yes. that prayed with Absolutely. him and led him in the sinner's prayer. Now whether. He uh, And I know others that have met with him privately and spoken to him plainly about sin and things like that. So he made that statement then. I don't know that, that he would make it again today, but he has apologized for certain things, and he has regretted aspects of his past. So that, that much I, I do recognize as a positive step, at least. Yeah. It's, it's his yeah. style, though, as I understand. You basically fight, you disrupt. Uh, and you don 't apologize and go back, you just you just move forward and plow ahead, and that 's kind of the way he does things. So look, I think the key is that uh, and you 're in New York and your vote may not make a big difference you know in terms of the yeah, electoral no, college, uh, but you, you still have to be faithful to your conscience if that means a protest vote or sitting out the presidential vote, you have to act your conscience, but here 's the other way to look at it uh, I, I played a clip from Rodney Howard Brown. When he was on the Jim Baker show, so I knew just Rodney Howard Brown would generate controversy. Jim Baker show would generate controversy, but it was the content I wanted to look at, where he quoted from Jeremiah one, where Jeremiah was commissioned by God to to demolish, destroy, overthrow, uproot, and then to build and to plant. And he said, before you can build and plant, you've got to demolish, overthrow, etc. And he saw that's what Trump was doing. In other words, he's a wrecking ball. And he's he's doing damage to, quote, the New World Order. You know, according to Angela Merkel, he's, he's basically destroyed the New World Order they were working on. And then the deep state and all this. And, and then to me, he's also revealing a lot of religious hypocrisy in the church, a lot of compromise, a lot of double standards in us. I believe he's doing a lot of that, but that in the urgency of the hour with the existential issues we're facing— He was the guy best equipped to do it. So you get the good with the bad. When I uh, was on with Eric Metaxas uh, on his broadcast one time, we were talking about the fact that that uh, Donald Trump, excuse me, that Martin Luther was like Donald Trump on steroids. So that Luther did a tremendous amount of good and brought about a tremendous amount of reformation and launched the whole movement that we call the, the Protestant Church on the other hand, it, it took someone with a forehead of steel to take on the religious and cultural strongholds of the day. And that was Martin Luther. The problem was that same forehead of steel did not get properly crucified, and he did a lot of damage as well, and some of it lasts until this day. So yeah. that's, that's kind of what we're, we're looking at, and to me, the way that I maintain my integrity— is when the president does something that I feel is gross or degrading to people or demeaning of, his, of, of the office of the president, when he says things that I, I question the truthfulness of, it. I just say, I don't like that. I wish he wouldn't do that. That grieves me. Mm. Then I have to make a vote, uh, and, and I have to cast my vote, and I say, okay, can I trust him to keep his commitments? Yeah, that's an important character aspect. Can I trust him Mm -hmm. to fight for our cause and the things that are important to me? Yeah, it's like, all right, then let the president do what he does and let the church do what it does. And let's not look to him to do the church's work. Let him do what he does and realize we got this rough and tumble fighter in there. And and, uh, as long as I don't look to him like my savior, the one that's going to change America and just say, okay, it's messy. He's the best guy to do this, but I'm going to very freely say, yeah, I don't like this. I disagree with that. I wish it wouldn't be that then I don't feel we're compromising in any way to do it. That's my, my own view. Again, you have to come to your own conviction before God. But ask yourself, for what purpose are we electing a president? What do we want that president to do? And if it's like, well, strengthen our economy, strengthen our security, stand for our fundamental liberties, stand for life, you know, and strengthen our stature worldwide, that's, that's what we want the president to do. Then he's doing a lot of that. If we want to elect a president to unify the nation, <laughs> then it's the opposite president oh. to, to elect. And that's what you have to yeah. that's what you have to sift through. Hey, listen, Michael, I got a break coming up, but just the fact we have this conversation is important. Just the fact that you can say, I struggle, because if this had been Hillary Clinton acting like this or Bill Clinton or Barack Obama, we'd be all you all right, what a big be evil and terrible and antichrist and when it's Trump, we look the other way. That we can't do. That, to me, is where we are rightly called hypocrites, double standards. If we say, yeah, character counts, morality matters, and that's why we grieve over certain aspects of Trump's character, but appreciate others, and when we weigh it, here's why we vote for it, those who come to that conclusion. All right, we'll be right back.
1: week on Pathway to Victory with Dr. Robert. It's the line of fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
0: How would you feel if I came up to you and let's just say I, I weighed 400 pounds I had a Bible in my hand and you were sitting there having an ice cream cone, maybe, maybe you're six feet tall and you weigh 220 pounds, all right? And, and you're eating an ice cream cone and you have a Bible in your hand. And I come up to you and rebuke you and say, what kind of Christian are you? Ice cream is not healthy for you. You got to be disciplined with your diet. You'd look at me and say, excuse me, sir, but are you the right one to be saying that to me? Or, or let's say that that I'm driving in my car and I've got you know Christian bumper sticker on my car, and you've got Christian bumper sticker on your car, and and you cut me off, and I just hit the horn, and just say, "Hey, buddy, careful," and then at the light you get out and you start screaming at me. What? What kind of? Chris- I saw your bumper sticker when I passed. You call yourself a Christian? Where's your self control? And you start using all kinds of profanity. It's like, excuse me but do you have the right to say those things to me? That's how I feel when other Christians who have departed from fundamentals of the faith and violated key aspects of what the Word of God teaches and are actively involved in ministry work, they come and say, you're a hypocrite if you stand with Donald Trump. That's what troubles me. I have no problem with people saying, boy, we see a lot of inconsistencies in your position because when Bill Clinton was president, you were shouting, you evangelicals were shouting, character counts, morality matters, character counts, morality matters. Now that it's Donald Trump, you're like, well, there are other things more important. Yeah, let's be more consistent in our application. Let's be more consistent in our stand, otherwise people will look at us as hypocrites. But frankly— I have a problem with with the pot calling the pet the kettle black when the pot is blacker than the kettle. So, January eighteenth, the Global Center for Religious Research posted an open letter to Evangelicals of Moral Conscience. I wrote a response which was posted yesterday, and I want to quote from the end of this letter. The end of the letter says this, and I have it in my article, and it's in bold in their letter. Until such time as those evangelical institutions and leaders disentangle themselves from the corrupting power and privilege that their complicity with Mr. Trump has provided them, we call upon Christians of good conscience to disentangle themselves from them, join us in repudiating them, and be prepared to explain why. We know it won't be easy. We know it may take different forms for different people. We believe that to heal our individual consciences, to heal the conscience of our country and to heal the conscience of American evangelicalism, it must be done. Now, again, the people writing, many of them were former evangelicals, but they want to talk to us about the evangelical conscience. So here's where I have a problem. One of the signers of the letter, one of the men that they quote in the letter is Dr. Brian McLaren, formerly pastor, best-selling author, traveling, speaking. And Brian McLaren takes us to task for our support of Trump. Yet, Reverend McLaren participated in the same-sex, quote, marriage of his son to another man. I, I personally have an issue with someone lecturing me about being hypocritical when they, as ministers of the gospel, perform a same-sex, quote, wedding ceremony. Here, I'll, I'll give you another example. In the open letter, they cite Pastor John Pavlovitz whom I've tried to reach out to numerous times to say, let's sit and talk. You come on my radio show. Let's have dialogue in one way or another. December t- uh, 2018, he tweeted, when hopelessly phobic people of faith, like Dr. Michael L. Brown, claim that God is against, quote, homosexual practice. So he's calling me hopelessly phobic. This is Pastor Pavlitz. A lot of things he said I would agree with and, and wanting to reach out to the marginalized and the hurting with the gospel of Jesus. But But hang on. Pastor, you're going to tell me I'm hypocritical in supporting Donald Trump, whereas you are calling me hopelessly phobic for saying that God is against homosexual practice. Another tweet. This is the kind of fearful, Jurassic understanding of sexuality that is getting people killed. Someone else's gender, identity, sexual orientation, marriage, or sexual activity are none of your business. So in other words... The church doesn't have the right to preach against adultery. The the church doesn't have the right to preach against sexual immorality in general. The church doesn't have the right to preach against porn. The church doesn't have the right to preach against same-sex, quote, marriage. No, that's none of anybody's business. Well, someone made it our business by knocking on our doors in our schools, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our courts, in our places of business, and pushing forth aggressive agenda, and, and the Bible addresses these things. So again, this is problematic for me. When someone is calling me hypocritical for supporting President Trump for the good things that he does while being a Christian minister, a pastor, and supporting LGBT activism, supporting transgender activism, supporting same-sex, quote, marriage, and calling us hopelessly phobic and Jurassic, and if we differ with that. Um, let, uh, Let me ask a question, and I say this in my article uh reverends mclaren and pavlovitz are accusing evangelicals of hypocrisy because we feel president trump is a better choice than hillary clinton or any of the current democratic candidates or or are they saying we're being hypocritical because we feel he's doing a better job at stopping the slaughter of the unborn of combating world terrorism of fighting for religious liberties of opposing lgbt extremism of standing with israel We could even argue that Trump is doing a better job of helping the poor, not to mention working harder for prison reform. But no, if we support him, we're the hypocrites. Whereas those who support, say, LGBT activism, they're the righteous Christians. I have a a problem with that. Uh, I I mention in my letter one of the signers of, of the 58 initial signers on this Global Center for Religious Research open letter to evangelicals of January 18th. One of the signers is the very Reverend Penny Bridge who has earned her own page, I note, on the San Diego LGBT Pride website. So among her many accomplishments is offering blessings at events, including three Harvey Milk diversity breakfasts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Honoring Harvey Milk and offering blessings there. And serving as, quote, get get this, as spiritual advisor to the imperial court's queen mother of the Americas. They're not talking about Mary. <clears throat> Empress Nicole the Great. Is this drag? I mean, what is this? And, and, and yet these people accuse Donald Trump of moral depravity. <clears throat> so as I note in the article, and I've said this over and again, along with many of my evangelical colleagues who support Trump, I hate the damage he does with his words. I deplore his attacks on, on individuals. I believe that in some ways he's degraded the office of the president. In fact, it's rare that I write an article in support of Trump without adding in these caveats to the point of sounding like a, a broken record. And again, those evangelical leaders who are close to the president, they don't celebrate the aspects of his ha- behavior they don't appreciate. They they, they they speak to him. They encourage him. They, they, they speak to him about Christian principles and godly principles and, and urge him to to, to step up in different ways. And, and look, you know I wrote the book, Donald Trump is Not My Savior, an evangelical, uh, an evangelical leader uh, speaks his mind about the man he supports his president. I, I wrote that article to get a certain message out. So, And I've said over and again, as followers of Jesus, our identity must be found first and foremost in solidarity with the Savior, to whom we are our very souls. The president simply gets our vote. And at this point, President Trump will have my vote in 2020. Now, now, look, let's just realize, let's just realize that as President Trump was putting forth a peace plan, which would be very favorable to Israel, as President Trump was speaking as the first president ever to address the march for life, as President Trump was doing these things over a period of, of five days, so from Friday to Tuesday, you have headlines, say, for example presidential candidate, Joe Biden. And and he's putting forth the position that transgender rights is the new civil rights cause of the day. Yeah, this is another statement made by former Vice President Biden, that transgender rights, that is the, transgender equality is the civil rights issue of our time. I don't know how you feel about that as an African-American, perhaps involved in the civil rights movement. Perhaps as one saying America still has a ways to go to really have true equality for blacks and whites together in America. I wonder how you feel about transgender activists hitching their cause now to the civil rights movement. That's one thing for transgender activists to do it and say, yeah, similar thing. I was born this way and I'm being discriminated by society because the way I was born and because I'm different and, and it's, it's a parallel and that's how they see it. It's one thing for them to do it. It's another thing for a a presidential candidate to make that statement. And And then Senator Elizabeth Warren, presidential candidate Elizabeth Warren has made similar statements in, in terms of a cabinet she's going to have and the diversity of it and what it would reflect. So, what you're talking about is a very aggressive pushing forth of an agenda that ends up being a direct attack on our religious freedoms, a direct attack on values that we hold to, a direct attack on gender distinctions, a direct attack on what our children are going to be taught in the school. And there are, there are now more and more cases coming up, uh, different states working on this now, along with legal cases that are uh, potentially heading to the Supreme Court that address issues of transgender activism. Where you say, look, I, I do not feel right about my 15-year-old girl sharing locker rooms and bathroom stalls and shower stalls with, with 15-year-old boys who are playing on there." T- I don't feel right about any of that. And, and, and our, our girls are coming home, they're traumatized. Okay, there are even states saying we need to do something about this. I can tell you where this is going if there's a Democrat candidate. I, I can tell you where it's going. This is no mystery. We, we know what was done under President Obama in these ways. We know what was put on our schools. Look, I live in North Carolina, and North Carolina was threatened with losing all of its federal funding for the schools unless it complied, complied with transgender activism in the bathrooms. That's outrageous. So while I don't like the way President Trump does a lot of things, I'm grateful that he's pushed back against this activism. And I can look someone in the eye and say, I care about you, I love you, I hate the fact that you've suffered so much in your life, but I don't believe that you are genuinely a male trapped in a female body or the reverse, and I believe that through Jesus we can find a way for you to find healing from the inside out without hormones for life and sex change, surgery, and the like. So, so the, the contrasts are stark. And for those that are on the other side of these moral cultural issues or the pro-abortion and then they're going to call me a hypocrite for being a follower of Jesus and supporting the president, sorry, I think you need to look in the mirror once again. We'll be right back.
1: and its perspective. Listen to Janet Mefford today or online at JanetMefford.com. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown.
0: Uh, One more word, friends. Here is why we need to take stands and and here's why these are very major issues and we have to weigh them carefully when we're going to vote Uh, another pastor former homosexual has had all of his videos removed from Vimeo Uh, I I know another brother that this happened to they had several hundred videos that people could watch on Vimeo helping people with sexual brokenness unwanted same-sex attraction and now Vimeo has removed his videos uh, and when it's gone to court, a judge has let uh, Vimeo's ruling stand. So here's, here's a guy has stories about leaving homosexuality and helping others. And Vimeo explicitly says, no, no, we don't allow that. We don't allow that. If you say people can make a change by God's grace or through counseling in any way from homosexuality to heterosexuality, we don't allow that on Vimeo. And and then The nation watches reality TV star Jazz Jennings, male, female, going through sex change, and now everyone's going to follow and hear about it. Uh, Look at this. Jazz Jennings' doctors say she had a difficult surgical course with a severe complication, and the the father said, we weren't told this could be coming. You know how many young people now, late teens, early 20s, are regretting their sex change surgery? This is one of the negative fallouts of LGBT activism. We're not allowed to talk about it. Friends, I'm telling you, your very freedoms are under assault. There you go, Mike Brannigan, fear-mongering. Hey, I've just been predicting what's going to happen for 15 years, and it's been happening. That's not fear-mongering. That's truth-telling. 866 three four truth uh let us go to bobby in high point north carolina welcome to the line of fire
3: thank you dr brown as i told your uh, assistant there we love president trump we're going to vote for him again i'm retired from one of the largest that used to be the largest company in the united states and we still have luncheons and though I'm retired, and most of the people feel exactly as I do. And my daughter and I were talking last night, and she lives in another city in North Carolina. And I said, you know what? If I'd been attacked and lied about as President Trump has been, I might take up swearing and drinking, too. I said, I, and I'm 86 years old. But I have never heard of anyone that has been attacked like he has. And I told Sin, my daughter, I said, he has feelings, and I think he is really upset over being attacked when I think he has done well for this country and for your self-righteous people. That Like a fellow that called earlier, well, I didn't do this and I didn't do that. And I thought, I don't believe you're a true follower of Jesus Christ either. If you did, if you were, you'd be looking in the mirror and saying, asking God, what do I need to do to please you more instead of sitting in judgment over a man that has just been beaten up? And I don't agree with everything that he says, but I can see where he... You know, he's probably sad, too, that he has worked so hard, and understand he worked for free. He didn't take a salary. That's what I have heard. And we have a university here in High Point that the president from uh, Jordan, he's been paid $2 million a year just to run a university. And Trump, from what I have heard, that he is not accepting a salary, and I doubt if there's another person run for president or run for anything else that would work for free he was a, a very rich man he didn't need uh this job yeah and also bloomberg that is talking about everyone would have health insurance my son signed up for obamacare when it first came out and then about uh couple of months later he got a letter from us that we're taking you off, you've got to prove you're an American citizen. Well mm-hmm. he just moved back to from Israel last July after two years over there. He was treated much better over there than he was as an American citizen here.
0: Interesting. So, anyway, and, you people- yeah le- yeah let me let me just yeah let me just jump in, Bobby. First bless you for your passion at eighty six and for your clear headedness. I, I I appreciate it. Thank you. And look, let's be candid. Uh, On the one hand, President Trump is attacked day and night because he has taken conservative positions and is standing with evangelicals, and the world hates that. And he's attacked day and night because he provokes it. In other words, he came out of the the gate fighting and insulting and attacking, and that's the way he operates, uh, as, as some have called him the great disruptor, that he wakes up every morning and says, what can I disrupt? On the other hand, yes, part of the unrelenting attack is because of the causes he stands for, which we know. If, for example, he was a liberal, then the very people attacking him on on news networks every day they'd be laughing. Yeah, this guy's crazy. Uh, in any case, yeah, I appreciate your heart and your passion. Thank you, Bobby. Eight six six three four truth. Let's uh, go to Greensboro, Monique. Welcome to the Line of Fire. Thank you so
3: much for having me. Um- I'm still bewildered. At the beginning of your show, you were pointing out the hypocrisy of this cartoon going so far as to make them the devil, the Antichrist, and then um, correcting us or chastising us, us being true believers. What I cannot see when I understand that there is deception, but what I can see when God so blatantly has plainly told us what we are to do, with leaders and those in authority and and what we're not to do i'm not sure in romans but there's some scripture and i hate doing that because i like to say the word exactly yeah that it that kind of warms against condemning i mean there's not liking is one thing but condemning and putting someone in that light and judging to that degree and then yeah. to correct us like it's just to hear hear what you said about the being what i i don't understand
0: well, Let me share my thoughts, Monique. I, I think what we have to be is consistent. That's the key thing. In other words, the world is going to be the world, and various professing Christians are going to say and do what they do. But if we really know the Lord and have a relationship with Jesus, then let's be consistent. In other words, if, for example, I said Barack Obama's the Antichrist, and I mocked him and I insulted him, and now I get offended when someone has that cartoon of Trump as the Antichrist, that's the issue. In, in other words, I want to be consistent. Uh, if, if you listen to my broadcast for years, during the eight years of, of President Obama's presidency, I rarely talked about him. Even though I disagreed with things a lot, I, I rarely brought his name up. If I did, I would consistently say my prayer is that he'll be the greatest president in our history. But here is the reason for my concerns. I would do that, and, and and still speak respectfully because he's the president. So let's be consistent, and and that's the key thing. Say, hey, here's why I couldn't vote for this one. Here's why I vote for this one. Here's where I agree. Here's where I disagree. But let's do it in a way that is still respectful of the office. Look, I, and thank you, thank you, Monique, for for sharing your heart and your concern. I remember listening to Rush Limbaugh when Bill Clinton was president. And he and others referred to him as Slick Willie. I thought, well, I'm not going to do that because I, I'm going to respect the office of the president, even if I have real issues with the man that's there. So let's be consistent in doing that. Uh, we go to Miguel in New Jersey. Uh, thanks for calling, the Line of Fire. You weren't by any chance at the big rally last night, were you? No, I wasn't. No. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never uh, been. No, I... I, I've never been to it. Well, I, actually, when Ted Cruz was was running, I, I. I was at a couple of his rallies in, in North Carolina and, and addressed folks there. <laughs> Actually, those, are, otherwise, I've never been to political rallies. And uh, anyway, yeah, so, so your, your question, just because we're short on time. Thanks, sir.
2: No problem. I, I mean, I hold a position that's close to yours. Um, and, you know, everywhere I go, I hear things like, how do you support a president that's racist? Or how do you care? You know, he doesn't care about health care. I mean, you hear all those things all the time. And um, they're not plausible claims in my opinion, but how do I deal with someone with that type of mindset without kind of destroying the relationship? It, it's yeah. almost like you aren't talking to someone with their own thoughts, but it's like you're talking to the media's
0: thoughts. You know what yeah, saying? and, and um, you know, you know what's you scary? You know what's scary, Miguel? I see it on both sides. Like, I'll be talking to someone that's kind of leaning left, and it's like, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to CNN. And then I'll talk to someone that's leaning right. It's like, I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to Fox News or, you know, whatever. Fox is not right. always as, as right. right, as as left. But, but anyway, it can be scary because it's, it's talking points. It's, it's sound bites. So what I would do is ask respectful questions and draw something out. Like, so why do you think he's racist? So I'm assuming, Miguel, you're Hispanic, correct? Yes, I am. Yeah, so you, you have a, a stronger point to make than I can, even though I'm Jewish, as Caucasian. Say, well, why do you think he's racist? Because I, I don't think so. Tell me why. Well, in Charlottesville, he called Nazis good people. No, actually, you know, he didn't do that. If you actually uh, dig a little deeper. And, and so let me ask you, do you think we should have secure borders? Or do you think, like, if anyone can come through our borders for any reason and we should give them help? Like, what do you actually think? Get them to think and unpack things. And then if it's a follower of Jesus, Miguel, I would say, hey— well, you know, what do you think is like the most important issues? Let's kind of list them. And where do you think Trump is standing on those? And, and what if maybe we lived during the days of slavery and you had one candidate that was pro-slavery but was a very nice person and the other person was anti-slavery that could be a little nasty? Who's going to get your vote? You know, vote for the nasty one that's anti-slavery and, and try to pray for them to be less nasty. Uh, and then the other thing is say, hey, look, If they're followers of Jesus, I understand your viewpoint, but let's not divide over it. Let's focus on Jesus as Savior. Can we agree on X, Y, Z? And friends, all of you listening, can we agree on what matters most? I'll be a broken record about that. Jesus alone is Lord and Savior. Back with you tomorrow. Very important Thirdly Jewish Thursday broadcast.